You are listening to the Regent College Podcast. Hello, everyone. My name is Octavio Fernandez de Mostajo. My name is Claire Perini. And welcome back to the Regent College Podcast. Friends, this is part two of our conversation with Cheryl Bear, who is from the Nudlewaten First Nation community, the Bear Clan, which is located in northern British Columbia. She's an award-winning songwriter and singer who shares stories of Indigenous life. And if you listen to our earlier conversation with Cheryl, then you'll you'll know that she brings such a depth and an insight into our understanding of faith as she brings it uh, through the lens of being a First Nations Canadian First Nations. We talked a little bit about the residential schools in Canada, a little bit about the Truth and Reconciliation Commission and the process of that here in Canada, and as well as um, Christology, really, from a First Nations perspective. There's so many questions about uh, First Nations spirituality because they, they think it's pantheistic. Cher would make a case that actually it's monotheistic. Mm-hmm. Interesting, huh? And I mean, when you the, say the they, you mean some people think that it's pantheistic. Yeah, some right? people, not like. Of course, I wouldn't think that. Come, come on, um, I study at Regent College, so I would know better. I should know better if I study at Regent College. <laughs> Wait, but so the last thing I'm going to say is there's a reason we invited uh, Cher- uh, Cheryl Bear again. Because she's, I mean, you have to listen to the first one. You know how amazing she is, so we decided to invite her again. So enjoy our conversation, our second conversation with Cheryl Bear. Cheryl, welcome back to the Region Podcast. Yay, thanks for having me back. So good to have you back. We've been eagerly anticipating this uh, next conversation. Um so we're, we're, just, we're going to try and just pick up where we left off, which I don't think any of us can totally remember exactly where we left off. Not a clue. <laughs> but we'll just start talking and see where we go. Um, so um, here's a question that I'm kind of, I'm kind of wondering about. D- do you feel like the Canadian church at large in 2020 is less ignorant about our First Nations history and the residential schools than, you know, than it used to be? Or not? Oh, well, good question. I think in um, in some ways, yes, definitely. Um, I kind of feel like since 2007 or, or 2008, uh, the, uh, that's when everybody sort of um, started realizing, whoa, we don't, we don't know as much as we thought we did. Because that's when the, um, <clears throat> the information came out um, about, or the apology, uh, then uh, Prime Minister gave an apology to the uh, residential school survivors. And that's, I think, the first that majority of Canadians had ever heard about the residential school. Mm-hmm. So after that, I was, I was, it, it gave me a lot of hope to hear some of the responses about that. Like a lot of, most Canadians were just so ticked they were so angry they were like how could this have happened how could the government have done this the church how could the church have done Mm -hmm. you know so so much um anger at the injustice uh, and and righteous anger if i may Mm -hmm. um and and so that that was unprecedented and and we we haven't seen that in the united states yet we have we don't have that that level of you know the leader of the country 
apologizing to uh, an entire group. Um, mm. And so, you know, for 25 years before that, residential school survivors <clears throat> had been fighting this lawsuit and even years before that had been asking for an apology for all of these wrongs, but it was never given because with an apology, then there's some, you know, liability, right? Mm-hmm. So they couldn't own up to it until they absolutely, you know, lost the case. Mm-hmm. So they lost the case in 2007. Everybody finds out about it um, in 2008 and there's anger. And and so that was, you know, not too many years ago, but, you know, we're a decade and a bit um, past that. And I think, honestly, <clears throat> uh, that has changed so many things. That has uh, changed the, the the church, and of course the TRC recommendations. Mm. Uh, that's that's so. Yeah, I think there's a heck of a lot more uh, information. Um, but then there's like with all of the um, uh, so um, almost the education that everybody's been getting mm. on Black Lives Matter since George Floyd's murder yes. uh, in the states. Um, there is the whole um, uh, the, another uncovering of systemic racism and the reality of systemic yeah. racism in Indigenous lives in Canada and the United States and people of color in um, in Canada and the United States and and that seems to, it seems to me like there's there's so much more of a backlash against that against that reality mm. that there's there's so many people who say Christians who say no, 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 um, white privilege isn't a thing. I've never, I grew up poor. I never experienced that. And, you know, and, and, it, and even explaining that, like there's no, so, so in some ways, yes, we, we do know a lot, but when it comes to a sort of on, you know, on the ground kind of um, uh, change or helping us to change our mind or helping us to walk through, there's still a lot of resistance and there's still a lot of, um, um, they're just, just not hearing our story, it's almost, and this is awful to say, but it almost kind of feels like uh, those old reconciliation, um, church, you mm. know, if you had a church gathering and they said, let's have a reconciliation event and they invite, invite a native leader and a white leader and they would both apologize or one would apologize and then everybody would leave, <clears throat> you know, that meeting going, oh, phew, thank God we, we resolved that in the spirit and so we can move on to the next thing. And that's almost kind of how it sort of feels like when it comes to hey let's talk about systemic racism against yeah. indigenous mm-hmm. people and then there's this resistance like no no that doesn't exist there's no you know in the police the police commissioner for all of canada says no there's no systemic racism in the police force and and every native person is like are you kidding me yeah, like right. every one of us has, has experienced it right yeah. so yeah so cheryl you were, you were <laughs> talking about how there is sort of kicking around this sort of um a lack of acceptance or a lack of appreciation or recognition that First Nations spirituality and Christian spirituality um, are not are not different. That there's you know that there is there's a there are there's continuity there is I think what I'm hearing you say. So how how would you is that or do you want or do you want to yeah have I understood that? Yes. Um, well, I'll I'll tell you a story to exemplify all of this. Um, I was invited by a Riverside Pastor and Church Group to do music as part of their outreach. And they were connecting with a group who had been 60-something years on the Zuni reservation. So this Riverside, California group, you know, so I'm sort of like third party here, right? I, I don't have any control or, or whatever over, over anything. I'm just invited. So we get to um, 
uh, near Zuni, uh, Arizona, and we, um, or is it New Mexico? Oh my goodness. Anyway, so we get near there and the the folks that have been missionaries for 50 something, over 50, 60 years, they have this orientation. They tell us all these things about the Zuni people and what we're going into, what we can expect. And and they start talking about the little, the, 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 uh, Kachina dolls and the, the that they're idols and they're gods, false gods and all of these things. And so I put up my hand and and uh, and I ask them, well, do they have you know a name or a story of the creator? And they say, oh no no, they only have idols and false gods. And I was like, oh wow, okay, this is the first time I've ever come across a First Nations community that has that does not have a name and a story of the creator of a creator. <clears throat> so I was interested and um and so this so this group had set up, you know, a day thing where we we did all this fun stuff and uh um they even had I think a a a bingo as a part of this and one of the ladies from the white church she got she got in trouble cuz she was bingo calling too slowly and she got Apparently, you can. So she was fired from her bingo calling duties, and and they were they would win, you know, like a microwave, or they could win whatever. They had all these cool gifts, but anyway, it was a fun. It was a fun day. They they the church group Riverside. They did a good job to just try to make everybody have fun, and and we had a concert, and it was just it was a very light atmosphere. So I was proud of the Riverside group. Um, and the other group didn't really have much else to do with us. but So then Riverside Pastor says, we're going to go on a tour. So we go on a tour of what used to be an old, I think, Catholic church. And they had given it to, uh, to the Zunis who had painted all of the walls um, up uh, on the top part of the church um, with the kachinas. And, and it was just gorgeous. Like it was... A, it was beautiful, and so we this they had made this into a museum, I guess, and so we got a tour, and, and there was a Zuni elder who who walked us through that and talked about all of these things. So there, it was now a smaller <clears throat> group of us going through here. So I asked the elder, um, I said, um, you know, I was wondering if you guys have a a name or um, or and a story of the creator, and she said, of course we do. And she told me the name of the creator in their language, which I still remember, but I feel I don't feel like I can say it on a recording because it's it's uh, special in the original language. And it's it's there's something called I, I always say this wrong tetamogram tetramogram I don't know anyway it's some big theological thing for how the priests in the Old Testament stopped saying the name of God stopped saying so so we forgot. And then we, they dropped the vowels, so we don't know if it's Yahweh or Jehovah. We're all confused now because those guys. Because, and of course, it's because the idea, the, uh, the thing is behind that is that God's name is so holy, right? So much respect. You cannot even say the name. And that's the same way with Native people. They don't want to even to tell Navajo elders, didn't want to tell anthropologists the name of the creator in their language because they said they're just going to treat it, they're just going to, they're not going to treat it with the respect that that the name deserves, that that creator deserves. So, so I won't say the name in their language, but it translated to the one who, who started everything or the one who made everything. And uh, the Zuni, uh, beautiful Zuni elder, she said, uh, she says, we start uh, every, every day with prayers to, um, 
to the one who made everything. And, and, and it's, it's like the first, the first bit of respect that goes to the creator, the first prayer. <clears throat> and I was, and then I, I heard a, a little bit more from her about the, um, the story of the creator and the background of the creator. And I thought, I thought, what about those missionaries? What about those folks who had been here that long? They must have heard the story of this creator. They must have have heard, and, and if if they did, then they they didn't care, or they didn't listen, or they thought you know ethnocentrically that their story was better, right, or superior, of course. Um, and but if they um, if they didn't listen, that would be that would have been far far worse, I guess. But but it just it just made me sad to think that. You know, I got that advice from people who should have been the, not authority, but I mean, the, um, you know, the, the people who were the closest and had been the longest and, you know, had really, whatever, good relationship with some folks. You kind of think they would know a little bit about what was going on or have at least the openness to go there and say, please tell me some more about your creator. Please tell me some more. So in my, um, and I don't, and again, I don't, I don't love that, that I, go in and, and I sort of like act like an anthropologist and say, okay, this is how I see your spirituality. Um, but it, from, from everything that I, that I saw and in, with reading it through my own lens of spirituality and, um, and theology, I kind of felt like, okay, there's a creator. There's of course these other beings, spiritual beings who are more like uh, angels and demons. You know, some of them are good and helpful and others are bad and try to hurt humans. So that was sort of my overview, and I felt like there's there's something that's untapped that that early Christians missed, uh, and and honestly, I just think it's because uh, the, one of the reasons that they missed it is because they had so well contextualized the gospel for themselves. Europeans had had gone through what I call the Great Contextualization, which most Christians call the Great Reformation, and. Uh, and, and, and they just, you know, they took the, the gospel back, put it in their, in the common vernacular of their people, right? Used the songs from the pubs and, and, and made them the songs of the church. And so people could recognize and, and pick up and learn and, 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 and did a beautiful job, you know, so much so that we look back on those days and go, this was world changing, earth shattering stuff that happened, um, but it was never then given to the indigenous people uh, in in North Central South America. That uh, that rather we got the ethnocentric gospel. We got the gospel, um, uh, the the weaponized gospel. You know. Yeah, and, and I think you mentioned a quote from Rick Watts, and Rick Watts would say, "If people don't understand Jesus in their own worldview, are they truly Christians at all?" Did they ever truly become Christians? Yeah, yeah, yeah. And when I asked him, did I get this quote right? He said, close enough. (laughs) 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 So so thank you for that, Rick. I'll take it. I didn't murder it too badly. But but yeah, that that also really helped me to, uh, uh, and that was one of the, the moments in, the key moments of my time at Regent just um, just just helped me so much to sort of because I had felt like I lived this double life like all my life until I had met 
um, Richard Twist and different ones like that. Uh, you know, the late Dr. Richard Twist, Lakota, Sakanju, uh, Wachoni International. Um, uh, him and his wife, Catherine, were so instrumental in, in, in helping so many Indigenous people um, kind of like walk through what does it mean to be Native and Christian? And why do we even have to ask that question? You know, there's there's so many other cultures that don't have to go through that that process. Um, so a- anyway, um, yeah, thanks to Dr. Rick Watts for that life changing statement. Yeah, yeah. yeah. Is, is if so? Is there? I mean, this is always a it's a complex question in just the world. I think of missiology and world Christianity. Like, what is then? Sort of, is there a place for missionaries? you know, to Native people or to, I mean, to, to anyone, it kind of, you know, you could sort of, it's like, oh, what, what is, how, what is the missionary task for, I don't know, that even that sounds terrible, even saying it like that, but like, what, <laughs> how do we, if we, if we recognise that we do want people to come to understand Christ as, as, and Jesus as who he is, what, like, it, what does mission, mission, the missionary effort look like and how do we even think about that? What does bringing, bringing the gospel to people look like and pep, you know, from a native perspective, how would you, what do you think? Yeah, great, great question. Yeah. And um, so the honest answer that I've been giving most, uh, or no, all uh, pastors, leaders, Christians, universities, whatever, whoever asked me that question, I just say, just when it comes to native people in Canada and the US, especially because of the history of the residential school and all that stuff, I say, just please stop. Just stop. Stop with the missions, the missionary stuff. Just stop. Yeah, please just stop. If you if you cannot take a pause and learn, uh, even take a free course at the University of Calgary or wherever the heck, and, and learn the background, right? You learn, because you learn the history, the, take Indigenous 101, learn that stuff, take a year or, or two off and just, and, and read Indigenous authors, listen to those TRC recommendations and, and dive in. And if you can't do that, then I need you to just stop and go do something else. Because you're going to, you're going to, I really want to swear, but you're going to mess it up again. You know? Yeah. And, and that's, that's painful because the stuff that happened in the past is, is, is still having, um, still, is still hurting us today. I have friends who are um, who are smart? Who are um, talented? Who have a voice? They're they're musicians. They're uh, all of this, and and they used to be Christians, and they're atheists now as Native people because they they were so hurt by all of the BS, and they they can't. It's it's a hurdle that they can't get over. They um, all of the stuff that the church did. I have um, a little, uh, not really a cousin, but. Um, Almost like a, a little niece here in my, and I'm in Natlewaten First Nation right now. This is my community, and and I have um, one of the most loveliest young people that I know, uh, who has a little daughter, and she's just beautiful, smart, and she's anytime she posts or she see, you know, I see her on Facebook or, or in person, and if something comes up about the church, and I don't, I don't bring it up, but something else comes up, and she'll be like. I don't like the church. I don't want anything to do with it. I have no respect for it. Why do our people, and she'll even, you know, why do our people believe this bullshit, you know, because of all of the hurts and all of the stuff, right? So, um, 
so yeah, we're we're pushback. So so if you were gonna have like an intelligent um, conversation with an indigenous person about um, religion and about spirituality and about and 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 you want to mention Jesus, you <clears throat> you probably a lot of native people have faith already. That's like I think the majority of of native people are involved in uh, Catholic Anglican you know, kind of the mainline groups, or they're Pentecostals or whatever. Um, <clears throat> and there's a lot of, a majority of Native people are already have faith. And even at the powwows, you'll have people who they'll open in prayer there, and, they, and they'll go to the Catholic Church, or they'll go to the Anglican, Anglican Church, and then they'll go to the powwow. There's, there's this, this element of faith where, uh, a strong faith that our people have. Um, so, so the minority of Indigenous people who don't, um, who don't believe, they have all of the, they're usually the younger ones who have just, you know, they just know history, they just know what happened, and they're just not interested. So, that's what I mean. If you're going to go, you're, you're going to be dealing with some smart young people who have been hurt, who have, who know the story of their elders, who went to residential school, they know the, the, the horrific uh, stuff that happened to their elders and their and and that's that's what you're walking into you and, and you can't do that without a tremendous amount of grace and a tremendous amount of um of also understanding it yourself you know you have to know that stuff you have to know that so that's why that you know i'm sure it's virginia you know uh, calgary edmonton universities i'm sure that those three <clears throat> and probably more offer the free course in indigenous studies. So do that, please. For the love of all things good. Big self-awareness. Like, you know, if yeah. they, you know, like, yeah, I mean lots of conversations, big self-awareness. But um like but yeah, like a <laughs> just a, a willingness to recognize your own mess. Totally. Yeah. I I I would say you can correct me if I'm wrong, but it has to do a lot with I mean Part of the, the the thing that makes it offensive is also the misrepresentation, right, of of indigenous beliefs and indigenous theology and indigenous and and the qualification of everything being pagan and being to being spiritual, being demonic, being and and I think we need to understand, and that's where my question comes. Uh, like, how does indigenous people understand uh, spirituality or heaven? Or, or like, is it is it somewhat pantheistic as as we're told? Or how would you explain uh, the the understanding of heaven in spirit in the spiritual world? Pantheistic. Um, well, that's a great question. Thank you for asking that. Um, so, pan is like all, right? So, all everything is God. That's the idea behind that. And that is like the tree or the rock or the river. They're all they're all God. And, uh, and so, <clears throat> um, that is uh, an interesting, and I think that a lot of that comes from, um, you know, Disney's Pocahontas, maybe, and other misrepresentations and stereotypes and stuff like that, where, you know, we're just, and we're just one with nature, Native people, you know, can talk to, you know, Oh, well, and, and I do know elders that do talk to animals and those animals listen, and especially when they speak in the native language. So that kind of stuff, that does happen. And we do have, 
we do we do have a, a connection with nature we do have a beautiful connection with nature and and it's um my grandpa always called you know or my auntie just told me she's like my, uh, grandpa used to call those the winter birds and and there's some birds outside and I was like what like it's July like what are they she's like I know I don't know what they're doing here because they're the winter birds and I was like oh that's so cool you know but my grandpa was out in the bush spent most of his life in the bush and um and there was this knowledge that they have which is amazing um but when it comes to um spiritual stuff there are some people who believe or who you'll hear um, some native people who will talk about, you know, the spirit and the rock or whatever. And, and, and I have heard that before, um, but not as much as I have heard uh, the stories of creator and the stories of, um, of, of creator speaking through creation. So I would call um, indigenous people um, monotheistic, like just one God and the creator that's over everything, the creator that made everything. So so when I had, uh, I remember um, years ago hearing the name Gichi Manitou, which is the, the great spirit in Cree. And, and right away there was pushback from a Christian pastor who said, nope, that's not okay. You can't say, you can't, you know, believe in the great spirit or native concepts of God because that's a false God. And, and I found that to be like, and that's how I was raised. That's how I was, the Christianity that I was taught was everything native is bad or dumb. And, <clears throat> and so you don't believe that because it's, you know, just forget about all that stuff and here, take, take what we believe. Um, and, and those, those folks just arbitrarily say that, like these are all, all false gods. Um, I think because they're not, having conversation they're not having a, they didn't have a relationship with the indigenous folks a friendship with them enough to talk more further uh about the the stories of the creator and and i certainly haven't either i've, I've asked you know you know in my travels going to different first nations communities it's just quick kind of like go in a couple days hang out concert talk get out of there whatever right um and and sadly i wish i would have spent more time especially in zuni oh my goodness they're the most amazing most beautiful people ever uh but just even asking those few questions tell me the name tell me a story of the creator and all of the stories that i got back from different elders from all across north america was that the creator is good the creator started everything that's a big one that's a big created everything um and that uh the creator watches over us uh hears our prayers uh deserves the highest respect you know the and and they would use words like respect and not holy but that that goes hand in hand there um and so uh, i have never I have never, in my journeys, come across a First Nations community that did not have a name and a story of creator. <clears throat> Sorry for interrupting your podcast, but Claire Perini has something really, really important that she wants to share with you. For the last number of weeks and months... You will have had a little interruption from Octavio and I with me trying to say rgnt.net forward slash give. And the reason for that is um, that we love hearing from people who are enjoying and appreciating the podcast. We love hearing that. 
And we love hearing that you enjoy it so much that you want to give Regent a little bit of a donation to say thanks. And so this is an invitation to continue doing that or to do that for the first time uh, to allow us to continue to keep having these really good conversations with people all over the world about all sorts of things, about the good, beautiful kingdom of God and how it plays itself out in the life of everyday Christians. So if you would like to give a donation to Regent College to say thanks for the podcast, Octavia and I would be delighted. You can do that at rgnt.net forward slash give. And please, if you'd leave a donation, uh, write in the comment box over there that the podcast sent you. Enjoy Enjoy the the rest rest of our conversation. conversation. But like my, my question is, when you listen to those stories of the creator and the creative spirit, and you think, okay, uh, where do we put Jesus? And how do I, do, do you think in, in, in those in those terms? Like, okay, they got the creative thing, the monotheism. Now, how do I fit Jesus into their story? Or how do I share Jesus? <laughs> do you think it in, in those those terms? Because like, I know a lot of people will be thinking that, yeah, they now just, they just need Jesus, right? So do yeah, you, yeah. How, do, how do you, how do you think or engage no, not no I, I don't think that anymore. There was probably a time when I did, when I was like, um, you know, toe in the line of what I had been taught and, and believing the story that, you know, um, I have to be, I have to get in there and preach the gospel. I have to get them to say the sinner's prayer or they're lost and, and, I, and I'm, you know, a, a dismal failure in God's eyes as far as being his representative on earth. I, I did. Um, I, I did feel those things at one point in my life, and now I, I realize I'm not all that important after all, <laughs> which kind of sucks. Yeah, <laughs> always a hard realization, though, isn't it? <laughs> Come on! I thought I was. I thought I was your it's one. It's not all was, about me. I'm the chosen one. <laughs> <laughs> but somebody else thinks that currently. <clears throat> not me, though. But I um <clears throat> now I am I I believe that I am uh, I I want to bring people one step closer to Jesus. I don't want to push people away from Jesus, and so I don't want to be right in there saying, you know, oh yeah, yeah, it's nice that the trees are talking to you, but what about Jesus? You know, can I tell you about my Savior? Um, I I want to I want to hear them out and have have that conversation. And so back to that. Um, the idea of of the the land talking to us it's it's general revelation right it's it's that the land does speak to us that before um jesus which is specific revelation that's that's how we knew about god <clears throat> and and so so that's a powerful thing that i think that a lot of Christians overlook when they when they're talking to indigenous people is that that's kind of where we sit. We're very uh, indigenous people have kind of like an Old Testament um, view of God. If there's a lot of signs, you know, we see um, you know a, an eagle, and it's like oh, that's a good sign from the Creator, and it's it's very much like Noah or you know those other folks who God would give them signs, and uh, <clears throat> and so to bring them to preach the gospel, we'll, we'll get to that in a second. But to, to let the land talk to us, I think that's good. I think everyone, every single one of us should get a little bit, you know, we're, we're really happy with specific revelation that, 
that God is revealed perfectly through the person and work of Jesus Christ. And we're just kind of like, yay, Jesus is my buddy. I just go to church. I just do my thing. But we don't seek other means of, you know, we may, we might do taze or however you pronounce that. Or we might do these other things, you know, to sort of have the spiritual experience. But going, sitting by a river or, you know, listening to the wind in the trees or, or looking at the ocean. Uh, maybe you don't do that as a spiritual practice, but maybe you should. And let the general revelation. So, I, I honestly think that when it comes to God speaking through or, or creation, um, God is, of course, above creation, but also God is everywhere. So, God is immersed in revelation or in, in, in creation. And how God re- reveals that to us and how God speaks through creation is, is this beautiful mystery. But, of course, uh, if God is everywhere, then that is God's Spirit speaking to me through those trees. That was God's Spirit talking to me through the river and, and calling me to, you know, uh, to love the land. And and when I'll go even further with the land, because I don't know if I said this in the other podcast, but it's something I love to say. When I come to Notley, I have always felt this great connection here, and I've felt this sort of, I just relax. And it's because of my mom. She married a non-native. She moved to Prince George. She moved away from Notley. But every, so every time she would come back here, she would relax. And so that became, and she was... Um, this other person here just so so this place to me is 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 also that but then when I got older I was like you know why do I feel this you know as soon as I drive on the land is it because I know all the people in the houses or whatever but we always say our people have been here time immemorial we have always been on this section of land in fact our our stories our creation story says say that the creator placed us on our land and so there's um, and I had some friends who connect that with um, Babel, you know, that God put everybody in places or whatever. And then, and then Romans, God chose the exact places where people would would live. Or is it Acts? Acts, I think it's Acts, not Romans. <clears throat> um, uh, so, so that kind of so. So we've been on the land time immemorial. So I feel like now when I drive on the land, that the land is actually made of my ancestors. And when, whenever we're buried, if someone dies somewhere, if, if, wherever I die, I have to be brought back to Natalie. We're always brought back to our land and we're buried here. And so, uh, one day I too will become part of the land and, you know, the earth will do its work. And, and, uh, and, and I don't understand that mystery, but I feel that connection to this land so strongly. And I feel like it's, uh, it's also all over the Old Testament. The land is super important. So, God's speaking to us through all land, but specifically our land is is a powerful is is a powerful indigenous uh value and um and so but so yeah not not pantheism in, in any way shape or form but definitely this this wonderful idea and so talking about jesus that was your next question uh i have i have a few ideas about um about this and i'm not sure if i um, let's just say, so C.S. Lewis beautifully contextualized the gospel when he wrote the Chronicles of Narnia, in my mind. So, he contextualized the gospel for children. And I read, um, I read The Lion, the Witch, and the Wardrobe when I was like nine or something like that, whatever. I was an elementary school kid and I was just reading so much. The, the librarian couldn't keep up with me and one day she gave me this book. <clears throat> and I had been to Bible camp and and I, but I got a very angry 
uh, I had a very angry con- conversion. You know, I didn't come to Jesus at Bible camp because uh, they talked about, you know, the wonderful Savior, Shepherd, Healer. It was, I just didn't want to go to the place they kept yelling about called hell. <laughs> and uh, please keep me out of there. How do I stay away from hell? I'll do anything. I'll do anything. Yeah. I'll say this for three times a night for the next six months and crying, you know, and it's like, that was horrific. And so when I, I and I, I I'll honestly say that I don't know if I would have still be a Christian if I didn't read, if I didn't learn about Aslan, didn't read Aslan, because I, I always say you can't stay in a relationship with someone who's always mad at you. And that, and that first God I heard about was like the eye of Sauron, mad at you all the time and just, you know, zzz. So, so this, so that idea of that contextualization that, that I saw Jesus, but he's a great big lion, like, you know, and, but that so helped me in my, in my Christian walk. And I want to do that for, um, for indigenous people. I want to have something that, um, that helps the indigenous mind. And so I've thought about, uh, I've talked a lot about it in a lot of different sermons, about one of the names for God amongst the Lakota. And I heard from this again from uh, Dr. Richard Twist, uh, who talked about Takanshala, which is grandfather. And when I heard that, of course, you know, the glitch, or not the glitch, the sort of like, ah, that I have when somebody says a name for God, I still have that. I still have to kind of beat that evil, legalistic, evangelical, you know, out of me some ways because... Uh, because that's still that, no, it's a false god, still comes up sometimes, right? And I have to sort of slap that down. But um, when I first heard grandfather, I thought, oh, you know, God has no grandchildren, and we're supposed to say, you know, our father in heaven, not our grandfather. You know, so I had all of these issues. But then um, just in in thinking about it, for as I have for the last 20 years or so, the more that I think about grandfather uh, as Jesus and Jesus as grandfather, the more beautiful it becomes because the a grandparent, of course, you know, Daniel 9 calls Jesus or calls God the ancient one. And, you know, this is the one with no beginning and no end. This is our, this is our creator. And so how do you know how we can't even conceptualize no beginning uh, never mind, no end. But this this very ancient, you know, being. Uh, so, and I had a um, my my grandpa was a good guy. My grandpa Alec George, who was here, um, wonderful man. Uh, and then my dad, when my dad became a grandpa, he I always say he changed. He he became an amazing. He was a good dad. He became, but he became an amazing grandpa. And, and I, I, I loved to see that. And I, and I have a, you know, I always tell the story about how I said, when you're a parent, you know, it's tough, you're, you're tired, you're, you're worried about your kids all the time, you just want the best for them. But you're also um, so flippant exhausted, because it's so much work. And I remember <clears throat> having my kid uh, in a fetal position, one of my sons and in a field position, screaming at the top of his lungs, just tight. Everything was tight, and he and then and he's on the floor of an IKEA, you know. And I'm just like, <laughs> right, right, yeah. So and I and I'm like kind of looking around, and I'm just like I'm feeling the shame of the other parents, looking like you're a horrible and you're a horrible parent, and 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 then my kid, and I'm just like, 
I just want to throw this child into the next dimension, you know, never mind the car and just like you're grounded forever. And, and, and I, I just, I just, and that's where I'm at in it. So, and the, but a grandparent comes along and just kind of scoops the kid up. Cause first of all, why are you on the floor? You know, baby boy scoops the kid up and, and doesn't say, you know, what's the matter with you? And kind of shake the kid like you want to as a parent. Uh, I didn't say that. But, <laughs> but, but the grandparent can has, has this ability because of the, the, the age, of course, perspective is huge. They have this ability to sort of go, hey, you know, what? I just want everything to be good in your life. So, and they'll like distract the kid or they'll be like a little bit playful. And, and then the kid is just, can just snap out of it. And as a parent, in that situation, and now, of course, I'm 51 years old. I'm, I, I can do that for little kids, you know, or, or in their parents. I can, um, you know, be an auntie or the grandma type in those situations now because I have that age and that perspective. But in that moment, I was like, oh, thank you. And the grandparent is like, just go have a coffee or go do whatever. You're useless in this situation. I, you know, you're, <laughs> you're, you're making this worse, so we need you to go away. And, and, and that whole thing, that, that ability. So, so I've been, and, and I would tell the story in churches over the years. And I remember one time I, I brought up grandchildren and I said, I bet you guys, some of you have a picture of your grandkids in your wallet right now, as we speak, you could whip them out and show me, show me them or on your phone, you know, you would happily. And one lady actually started tearing up and she was like, just talking about grandkids and and I was and and I I don't think I mentioned it then because I didn't want to point her out, but uh, but I did mention it in subsequent talks that this is the love the the great love that grandfather has for you and so I've I wanted to kind of write about that and explore that a little bit and I have done a little bit on that on that aspect but just uh, yeah I think that's the that's the native Aslan I think is grandfather yeah and it's interesting because it's an elder you know which is our, we cherish elders above everyone else, you know, a circle of picture of a, the picture of wisdom is elders, you know, so, yeah. So good. It's like, <laughs> I, I feel like um, that, that picture of grandfather, that is sort of, the, is, is really helpful. And I, I feel like in sort of conversations with Diane Stinton about her kind of explorations of, uh, African Christologies in particular is there there is the, there's these pictures that whether it's Christ as healer or Christ as ancestor or, or whatever you know and that that when you sort of talk to Africans that then expound that in the way that you've expounded the grandfather kind of image what that means if there is there another so the grandfather image is one I thought is there is there another image that you as Cheryl as a native person, you love that this part of who Jesus is is very compelling to you. You know, is there, so the grandfather, is that, do you know what, do you get, do you see, get what I mean? So if uh, if you're in a context where there is death everywhere and sickness everywhere, then the fact that Jesus is healer is really compelling, right? There's something about that that's like, ah, that's, you know. So is there is there some other aspect of who Jesus is that for you is compelling? And Yeah, I think, um, well, for sure the grandfather, I think. That one is my main, that one has been, as much as as a child, I, when I, oh, and first, and I should mention, I love Diane Stinton and all of her. I have, every time I've talked to her, I felt like 
I just want to hang out with this woman all the time, right? She's amazing. What an amazing professor and human being. Oh, my goodness. So, all of, yes, I have to say that. Um, but the... Uh, so, as much as I was maybe saved, is how I could put it, by the image of or the stories of Aslan, maybe my salvation was saved. Yeah. That sounds uh, odd. Uh, yeah, no, it makes sense though, given what you've said. <laughs> totally. But, but as much as that is true, my I believe that my faith today, in light of all of the crap that we heard during the, the TRC, um, you know, where the gatherings were and, you know, in Vancouver and Saskatoon and all across. And I went to so many where the TRC gathered elders and they told their stories, right? This was back, I think it took, whatever, seven or something years but those stories shook my faith. They and I almost lost it because of uh, the horrific nature of the things that happened to little indigenous babies. Um, you know, little five-year-olds and little eight-year-olds and thirteen-year-olds. Oh my gosh! It just. Uh, I remember walking down the hall of uh, my apartment, um, and I think it had been a couple of months after the last TRC and I just I remembered a story and I just burst into tears just thinking about that elder and what those uh, you know what had happened to that child and and the things that the priests and nuns had done and uh and 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 yeah I was like God where are you where are you in this how can this how can this be and it was um and so I kind of I kind of feel like the the grandfather sort of helped me through that helped me walked me through that with you know this sage wisdom but but uh, one of the things that 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 came to me during that specific time <clears throat> was I felt God saying to me after asking for months where were you um, I felt God saying um, I'm I'm much more angry at this injustice, at the perpetrators of injustice, much more angry than you are. Because the God of justice, right, seeing all of those things and knowing even more of those stories. And, and I felt, I felt the, the grace and the power of, of that anger because I felt that anger. I was so, uh, so upset, so hurt, just kind of just vibrating with anger at the things that we now know, all, all of us in Canada now know, happened to uh, residential school survivors. Uh, and knowing that God was, um, or feeling that the God of justice was much more angry than, than me, that helped. Um, but then also, um, I I've immediately thought, oh my goodness, like, I'm also a perpetrator of injustice. And, you know, I don't, I always, you know, can compare stuff. I'm like, well, I'm not as bad as Hitler, or I'm not as bad as this, you know, person who, you know, this horrible person who does this horrible thing. But still, in my own way, we're all, we all have, um, we're human, we have this, this stuff that we do, we have sin. And to the end, and one of the things that I remember, anytime I talk about sin, I remember that Dr. Richard Twist used to say um, that the missionaries used to think that um, they wanted us to trade our sin-stained culture for their sin-stained culture. And I always remember that, that 
ours was, you know, our sins seem to be much worse anyway, but that's, that's a little aside, I guess. But, you know, when you, I guess it was a bit of a, um, a moment there for me to just kind of go, you know, okay, I need, I need grace and I need, I need forgiveness as well. And I, I'm just going to have to trust God with all of that injustice and the injustice that continues now with the, you know, let's talk about systemic racism. There's still more injustice and I'm still angry. And I think, you know, we saw the world angry at what happened to uh, George Floyd, which also um, gave me hope. Um, but, but, and I feel like, I felt like some of those uh, protests that happened were, were revival. You know, I felt like there, you know, all of the things that were stolen and the, the humans that were burned, you know, burning buildings is, is a, maybe a just reaction. And of course, that's extremely radical to say that. And I know that'll bother people, but I feel like there has been, if there has been, um, you know, centuries of injustice, then how do we, uh, how do we balance this up and how do we make things right? And I just feel like these are definitely days of um, revelation, you know, um, apocalypse, which is the uncovering, the making known, the revealing of all of these, these injustices. And I think that that's uh, important for, for me, for all of us. Um, and and I, I think that that's it. I think that, you know, my image of, my favorite image of Jesus is him chucking a table over in, in the temple, you know, and saying, you, you know, this is a, my father's house is supposed to be a house of, of prayer for all nations, and you have turned it into a den of thieves. And he just chucks tables, you know, and, and that, that, it's not the, the wimpy, um, you know, pasty Jesus in those old pictures that I grew up seeing on the, the church's walls. Uh, it's not that one that can, he, he doesn't even look like he can lift a chair, let alone throw a table. So this is the God. He's got a little bit of muscle and he's, and he's, and he's pissed and he's, uh, he's making things right. And he's setting things back in order. Uh, and and he's, he's in order to welcome, in, in order to make space for the other. And in, in that story in the temple, the other was, you know, us, the Gentiles. So, so that's, that's probably my, my favorite picture of Jesus. And uh, yeah, but I, I can't hardly lift a chair. So I'm in the same... <laughs> But I can talk a lot, you know, so I won't be throwing stuff. But Yeah, that's great. Cheryl, that feels like the perfect place for us to, to close our conversation. But thank you. Thanks so much for taking time to be with us again. And um, we're so grateful for you. And thanks for your, yeah, thanks for all you teach us and show us. And Yeah, well, thank you, Octavio and Claire, for your good questions and your big hearts. And I'm grateful to be a part Uh of the podcast. Thank you. Thanks. Thanks for listening to the Regent College podcast. Follow us on Facebook, Instagram, and Twitter. To discover more about Regent College, its upcoming events, conferences, courses, and more content like this, visit rgnt.net. That is rgnt.net.